Schizotopia. As always, I'm your host, Maxwell Cody. And joining me yet again, Mr. Dorian Z. Bell, a.k.a. Dank Deleuze, to talk to me about my favorite fucking movie ever. Dorian, how are you? I'm going to be honest with you. Oh, no. I'll uh, do that <laughs> I, uh, I'm very mixed. I'd say if, if there were two of me uh, and they came into contact with one another, we'd have to end the world. <laughs> All right. I did. Admittedly, I, I've often made you do a little bit of homework um, for a number <laughs> of podcasts that we've done. I've made many guests do a little bit of homework, but I don't think I've ever made any guests do as much homework as I have made you for this specific episode. You had to consume two pretty long movies, at least three comic books. The, the, oh, and, and one. And we're not talking one. about 12 page comics. We're talking about like graphic <laughs> novels, like almost, I want to say 350, 400 pages of reading. Three volumes. And a lot of it literally is just reading. Like a lot of it is is just pages of of text because the the graphic novels have have scripts inside of them. Yes, like, so it's <laughs> a lot. Oh, and a YouTube video by a, an insane man. <laughs> YouTube video you really didn't like. So <laughs> first off, I just got to say thank you for consuming all this media. Thank you for coming into my world and stooping down to my level uh, to, to to meet me at one of my personal passions, which is Southland Tales. Um, so we are talking about the movie Southland Tales. And I guess the first question I want to ask before we get into anything else. Okay. The first thing I want to <laughs> ask you, without any irony or jokes or dodging the question or <laughs> referring know. to the comic book or the history of this piece oh, of shit. media or who made it or why you think they may have made it. Can you explain to the best of your ability, the plot to Southland tales? Ooh. <laughs> All right. You, you, you know, uh, when you first uh, had me on the podcast uh, and you asked me to explain to Liz or you'd kill me. <laughs> uh, this is much worse. Yeah, this is a lot worse. Um, Okay, so um, let me let me just uh, get everyone's names into my head again because there's uh, there are a lot of characters in this, and many of them are the same character. Uh, but uh, so okay, we have uh, this is this is in the future uh, per per the, the film. It's taking place in two thousand eight. Uh, the it, the script was written in two thousand five. I think it's filmed in two thousand six. So. Uh, or or released in 2006, something like that, and uh, and so you know the the not very distant future, uh, and at this point in time, a, a nuclear weapon 
uh, or two of them, I think, went off in Texas, uh, and it ended up leading to the Patriot Act uh, becoming even more aggressive and producing this uh, system called US Ident, uh, which uh, monitors uh, literally everything. Like there's cameras in people's bathrooms, uh, there's uh, a monitoring of all internet activity. Uh, and uh, the last really important part of the kind of like larger uh, spectrum of, of, of the world there is that, uh, well, shit, there's a few things. This movie's about everything. That's the problem. Uh, but um, uh, in addition to U.S. Ident, uh, there's also been this new discovery, uh, which I'm not allowed to explain because I can't bring in the comics. Uh, but uh, there's now essentially a perpetual motion uh, machine uh, using the tides, uh, but it doesn't really do that, but I'm not allowed to say it. I, I need to stop uh, in, in order to produce wireless electricity uh, as an alternative fuel source for, for uh, you know, everything. Uh, and uh, this is uh, produced and owned by this guy, the Baron von Westphalen, uh, who... Um, you know, Westphalen, that's that's Jenny Marx's family uh, historically. Uh, and I thought that was just a reference when I was watching the movie. And there's no reason, I think, to believe that it's anything else unless you read the comic, in which case it's it's contextualized in a way that I feel like is is almost unhelpful. Uh, but um, uh, as in they're literally literally part of the lineage, but I'm not allowed to bring in the comics. So I'm sorry, I broke the rules. Uh, Anyway, so that's kind of what the world looks like. And then um, you've got last last little bit about the world <laughs> is that there's this drug called fluid karma, which unhelpfully is has the same name as uh, the energy uh, system that they they use, which is also called fluid karma. They don't explain how or why they're connected in the film as far as I can remember, uh, but that is explained again in the comic. Um, uh, fluid karma uh, is very briefly explained in any way, shape, or form. But it it's uh, there are a variety of these different colored injections in like sci-fi syringes uh, that make you able to bleed through time, so you can experience the past uh, if you uh, if you're an early user of it, I think, and then you can experience the future if you've been using it a lot and have kind of acclimated. It also allows you to read the minds or to communicate telepathically with other users of the drug, which is very briefly mentioned at all, but seems extremely important to the, the story as a whole. Um, uh, and then finally, that's the world. That's what the world is like. Uh, now, the plot, uh, or, or or rather the, the storyline of it, is that uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson uh, is found in the desert uh, with, uh, with a car that has a burnt corpse in it, uh, and he ends up uh, joining up with uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, uh, who is, um, well, she, she, she's Krista now, and no one rocks the cock like Krista now. She's uh, like this world famous porn star who's also like a reality star and is like making an energy drink and shit. Uh, keep in mind, like so many of the jokes and references in this uh, become significantly funnier when you really keep in mind that this movie was written almost 20 years ago. Uh, and uh, uh, just keep that in mind because a lot of it seems really trite now, uh, but that actually makes it funnier, I think. Uh, but so Krista now, she's making an energy drink, reality TV star, yada, yada, yada. 
she and this uh, this guy who uh, almost entirely just exists in the comics uh, are uh, hanging out with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. And then we've got uh, the the guy from uh, American Pie. What's his character in American Pie? Uh, the cop. Uh, Stifler. Stifler. Thank you. Pie. Yeah. So Stifler, <laughs> Stifler, uh, and his brother, uh, which was a, a little confusing at first, uh, or purportedly his brother, uh, uh, his twin brother, uh, have made some kind of uh, pact, um, but. He's also kidnapped his brother, uh, so it's not really a, a pact. Uh, and then the comic adds more to that. I'm just going to, this is, this is going to take up an hour uh, on its own just to get to the, the final thing. Uh, but uh, uh, in order for, for Stifler to, who, um, to pose as his brother, who is a police officer, in order to pull off this conspiratorial faked double murder, uh, and uh, as a racist cop, uh, and Dwayne the Rock Johnson then enters into this foray because he uh, has been convinced that he has written a movie uh, about how the world's uh, spin has decreased or is like decreasing by 0.0000006 feet per day, uh, something to that tune, and it's making everyone's brains dumb. Uh, and, uh, and he is a, a cop in this movie. And so he needs to go on a ride along. And so he witnesses this, uh, faked murder, but oops, it's a real murder because another cop appears, uh, played by fucking John Lovitz, uh, who murders both of the people. And then the most amazing, uh, just one of the funniest things I've seen in a movie happens. And it's, this whole thing's meant to be funny. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like 99% certain I've, I've talked to some people and they seem to be convinced that it's, it's like a serious movie with some comedy thrown in. I think it's, I think it's almost entirely a comedy with a little bit of serious stuff thrown in, but anyway, so John Lovitz, uh, shoots two people dead. Uh, and then the squibs go off like a second and a half later with both of them. Uh, and, and it's wonderful. And anyway, it ends up that he, uh, was placed there uh, on purpose in order to murder both these people because these people are actually revolutionary leaders of the neo-Marxist movement, which has ties that are barely described to the Westphalans in the alternate uh, alternative energy fluid karma thing. Uh, but yeah, they're like the leaders of this movement, but that's not really explained in the movie either. Uh, and uh, from there... Um, Jesus, that's like the first 20 minutes of the film. Um, from there, oh yeah, Boxer Santeros, who is Dwayne the Rock Johnson, he's he was uh married to <laughs> the the daughter of the vice president. Uh, and uh, uh so this is all causing a lot of weird drama for them. Uh, and uh then it ends up that this tape uh is being used in order to um to blackmail the vice president uh, who is trying to win, uh, I, I guess, a re-election campaign. I feel like I, I'm getting something with that wrong, but uh, like, is he the incumbent right now? I don't remember. Uh, whatever. <laughs> but uh, they're they're blackmailing him. Uh, and uh, he's also connected to the Westphalans. So it's like this whole weird... I don't think it's really a, a like a controlled opposition situation, but just everyone is totally incestuous and fucking everyone, literally and politically. 
uh, in this world. Uh, and uh, the Westphalens uh, just kind of zooming forward a bit because there's just there's so much more in there, but I just can't. I'm not going to put the listener through explaining anymore. But 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 fast forward, it ends up that the the story that uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson thinks he wrote but didn't actually write. But I don't know if it's explained in the fucking movie or not. <laughs> because I just read the comic and it's just there so much of the comic is just saying things that happened in the movie, but in a prequel because everything is doubled up and time travel. Um anyway, uh he he realizes that the things in this script are actually all real. Uh, and then he ends up going to this mega Zeppelin, which is going to be like the new uh, housing for uh, this this alternative energy project uh, floating above the world. Uh, and uh, he discovers that the burnt corpse uh, that he was originally found with is in fact him. Uh, and then he decides, uh, fuck it. And then while that is happening, um, Stifler uh, has found his brother and they found that his brother is not his brother. Uh, his brother is actually him uh, from a different timeline because the Fluid Karma Project caused a rift in the fourth dimension, which caused people's doubles to to come through, sort of, kind of, I guess. Uh, and um, for some reason, the, the time travel trope exists where, like, if you touch your yourself from a different timeline, the world ends. I guess it's like a the paradox protection thing, uh, and uh, so he and I can't even start to explain this, but uh, but but he and his his uh, he and and himself are in the back of a an ice cream truck that actually sells weapons of war, which begins to float into the sky when they touch one another's hands, uh, and uh, the world begins to end uh, just through that, but also the world maybe ends because uh a a man who doesn't really kind of doesn't need to be in the movie at all and yet he is uh uh i forget his name but he's some like ghetto kid uh he's 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 standing on top of the arms dealer ice cream truck uh which is floating hundreds of feet into the air and he has a stinger missile that he got out of the truck and then he shoots the zeppelin and it explodes uh and then the 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 two stifflers uh, also make the world end, uh, and also Justin Timberlake uh, narrates most of this with bits from Revelation. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you did it. Holy shit. Oh, my God, dude. Dorian, I'm fucking applauding you right now. I didn't think you would actually... I had to mute my mic. I was laughing so hard. I, I didn't think you would actually do it. Um, yeah. I thought yeah. you were going to tell me to fuck off. So, A+, plus because... The, the only problem, okay, there are a couple of things. Oh, there's so many problems. I, you you know, illustrated, yeah, on, you've illustrated the, the point that I wanted to get to eventually beautifully, which is that this movie is packed to the fucking eyeballs with different ideas and subplots and world building and all of these different celebrities that he he managed to use as Donnie Darko clout to, to uh, <laughs> get people in this movie. And it's just, this is kind of why I love it. This is why I'm so obsessed with it because it's, it's such a... Uh, it is itself a Hindenburg, a cinematic Hindenburg, and it even has like a, a technological Hindenburg in it, um, which would almost be some kind of meta joke uh, if I thought that um, that's what he was going for. But anyway, point is... It's a synchronicity. It's another synchronicity is what it is. But uh, you've, you have brilliantly illustrated just how big this movie is, and even the almost three-hour... Uh, 
um, cut of the film uh, isn't really able to get across. The only problem is your retelling is a little too coherent because there's lots of... <laughs> I had you also read the comic book, yeah. Um, yeah. which I finally got my hands on after years of trying to, to find it. Um, I, I finally was able to get um, a bootleg because in order to get the comic on Amazon, it's like $300 or something. And even I'm not that schizo. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, what was I thinking? Oh, yeah. The problem is little little bits and pieces of the comic book explanation. Are, yeah. were, were, I, I could hear those bleeding in as you're making this movie more coherent than it bleeding, actually is. Ble- bleeding? Bleeding? Yeah. The time travel joke. From oh. When you take the drug, <laughs> you, you begin to bleed. Does it bleed? Do you bleed? Um, the, the, the comic actually puts in some basic narrative structure stuff that would have helped the movie a lot because the movie as it stands, I got to say, it's kind of like some sort of be real or proof of concept yeah. that you would show to a, a, a studio exec to prove to him that you had like a, a series that you were going yeah, to uh, it's, uh, do. Yeah. It's, it's just, a, it's a teaser uh, for the comic. Uh, and, and the, the existence of the comic is, is so frustrating uh, and, and it feels frankly like malpractice uh, that it even exists because the the comic actually uh it i think the comic is better than the movie um in a lot of ways it's not nearly as funny so it's it's worse than the movie in mm-hmm. in terms of pure enjoyment but um but and not, not not ironic funniness from the movie either like the movie is actually very funny i think uh but um but the the fact that it contextualizes and explains so much uh, makes the its relationship to the film itself is an object that makes them both mo- more coherent and somehow worse. Uh, so yeah. for anyone who doesn't know yet, Richard Kelly, the guy who wrote and directed Southland Tales, he got famous from making Donnie Darko, which I feel like everybody pretty much knows that movie. Even if you haven't seen it, you know of it. Um, and he basically took all of the clout that he had accumulated from Donnie Darko being this kind of underground cult hit and spent it all on Southland Tales. And I that it kind of bricked his career, as far as I can tell. And I've always wondered... But this is part of the mystery of Southland Tales. This is part of my obsession, which is part of me wonders, was it a George Lucas thing where his earlier films were better because he was under more pressure and because there were people around him that could tell him no. And he was he's trying to prove himself as an artist. And that kind of forces him to, uh, you know, make make Star Wars as proficient as it was. Right. And then after a couple of years of being the big shot and having nobody to tell him no or having people maybe put a little bit too much confidence in him, he he begins to make movies that are uh, obese, basically. Uh, I, I, I kind of wonder that. I wonder if that's kind of what happened with Richard Kelly, where he was like, I, I'm going to. Uh, you know, I'm going to now. Now that I've shown everybody that um, I, I can make a great film, I'm going to make something bigger and better than anyone could have ever imagined. I'm going to try to make the most imaginative thing I possibly could, and that's part of my admiration for this film. However, I also sometimes wonder if it wasn't some kind of elaborate self sabotage. Fuck you! I hate the movie industry thing because it's insane. It, there's six chapters of Southland Tales. And the movie is the last three chapters of the story. And then the comic, if you want the first three chapters of the story, you got to read the comic book. And really, the movie does not make sense. I mean, as someone who has watched this movie 10, maybe even 20 times, I can tell you and wasn't able to read the comic book until very recently. I can tell you, you really cannot make sense of the film on its own. 
Um, you, you it, it it doesn't make any fucking sense. You you have to you could even as many times as I watched, I could infer a lot of things and put together a lot of headcanon for what was going on, but there isn't. I mean, the other thing that I was using to try to figure this movie out was Donnie Darko, which maybe we should just get into Donnie Darko because we're already talking about it. But there's a lot, there's so many similarities between this and Donnie Darko that I kind of wonder if he didn't feel sort of gypped. Uh, because of how Donnie Darko, you know, was pulled from theaters, um, that he thought, well, I want to retell this time travel apocalypse story, but on a grander scale. Yeah. Um, it, it, when and in a way, you know, and that now that it can't be taken away from me because of uh, 9/11, I'm going to really go full tilt against you know George Bush and Republicans and what was going on in in, in the 2000s. Well, yeah, I mean, I I, I think I think that what kind of happened with this movie uh, is is kind of a mix of of what you've said where he he makes Donnie Darko uh it's a it's a it's a good movie that's competent and incompetent kind of in equal measure but the incompetence of the the writing and it, its attempts at clarity because I don't think it's trying to be as obscure as it is a lot of the time like he shows you text that explains the movie like if you want to pause it long enough like from the that fucking uh, the philosophy of time travel book things like that Whoa, like the, which version did you watch the version of the movie that has all that there's two different versions of Johnny Darko and I guess that's what I watched yeah the, there's one where it it has a bunch of um it it wasn't the original theatrical release it was the later director's cut that okay. tries to explain the time travel stuff and see to me that's where he started going wrong where he yeah. tries the, the need to explain too much. I know I'm just I just said that the whole problem with Southline Tales is it doesn't explain anything, but you need to explain within the story, kind of a show don't tell type of thing. Well, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean that, that that's kind of what I'm saying is is that the the Richard Kelly I, I I think has a certain like intuition for storytelling and this kind of fun abstract mind, um, and also. Thinks he's more clever than he is, while still being very uh, a, a person that's full of insight. I, I don't quite want to call him insightful, but I, th- I think he does have a lot of uh, kind of like tacit insights in, in, into the world that are that are really fascinating. But but all of that comes together into creating this like really cute, fun uh, movie in in Donnie Darko uh, that is also you know if if, if you think about it. Uh, really his personality is well described uh by the soundtracks of both films or like the references to music in in, in either one uh, and then that kind of tells you what the plot is going to feel like to begin with uh, very gen x very, very gen x, gen x. Very like, gen the, x. the 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 sorry i'm like getting off into a, a, a tangent with this Please. but but there there are three um bits of poetry that repeat over and over again in Southland Tales. Uh, there, there might be more, but these are the ones that, that stood out. There was the, the Robert Frost one, like the, mm-hmm. the obvious one, the uh, 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 path diverges in a, in a yellow wood, uh, which that that uh, poem frustrates me enough to begin with. But I'm, I'm wondering if he actually uh, is is reading it correctly in, in a funny way. And we can get into that later. Uh, then a, uh, a a rewriting of the final lines of the Hollow Men by Elliot, where he uh, he does this really clever Gen X kind of kind of style thing, where it's uh, instead of saying not with a bang but with a whimper, he says not with a whimper but with a bang. 
See, he's taking the irony and he's making it um, ironic. By taking the um, irony out, you make it ironic. Yeah. Very <laughs> Gen X. Very <laughs> Gen X. <laughs> and, and the last one, which is the one that really stands out with his like weird taste in music. Uh, and this keep, keeping in mind that pretty much every song from the from Donnie Darko is music that I listened to like in high school. So, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but but there's a different taste in music that still makes sense for his personality in this. But but the the third piece of poetry that he keeps repeating is from a fucking Jane's Addiction song, uh, and it's uh, uh, three days. And what, what what is it? Something to the tune of it doesn't seem like a Jane's Addiction song either. Uh, but the the words are something like uh, uh, and and then the shadow and the light were one. And it's this very ominous sounding thing. And then you're like, wait. Wait, that's a fucking Jane's Addiction song. This is ridiculous. Uh, and then you have like the killers. There's like a there's like a a, 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 a whole thing where uh, there's like a Justin Timberlake music video musical moment, <laughs> which seems like yeah. a joke to anyone that hasn't seen this. Uh, with we're singing the killers, and there were a few other like really oh oh the final uh, uh, chapter of the uh, of the the movie or of this whole series. Uh, is named after a fucking uh, Pixies song, uh, uh, Wave of Mutilation. Mm-hmm, so, like, it's just mm-hmm. this constant Gen X beat you over the head kind of shit. Well, but anyway, so, like, that that I think describes a lot of his personality, and, and that's kind of this this weird tangent on my way to this this more fundamental point, which is that I, th- I think he he's kind of uh, a, a goofy overly seriously ironic stereotypical gen x guy who has a, a an intuition for story writing and then he made donnie darko and it was it was pretty good uh and uh and then it ends up getting pulled and then he and i've i've only ever listened to like four minutes of an interview with this man but it was the most insightful four minutes i think i possibly could have watched but it was him talking about after he made Donnie Darko, he uh, he read Joseph Campbell. And oh, so he is George Lucas. Are you kidding is. me? He is. Are He's you seriously with me right now? Yeah. That... All right. George Lucas theory confirmed. And and he he ended up learning. Wait. So actually, uh, there's like a a monomythic kind of uh, uh, narrative uh, process, and I just kind of intuitively did that because that's what people do when you, you write a story, you know. Uh, but uh, but and and so I I realized that that if I went back to my uh, my other writing and by the way Donnie Darko was apparently his first screenplay uh, ever um, mm-hmm. and uh, once once I once I looked back at at my my older writing which is just the one piece of writing uh, he realized that all these monomythic tropes were in there and so what what I think happened is he literally just got brain poisoned by sincerity in his irony. And needed to take uh, that original script and rewrite it into this more massive kind of monomythic fashion, where he really kind of sticks to all the beats uh, and and kind of completes this whole thing, which is why it's you know split into these really uh, uh, seeming. <laughs> I, I think that they're they're kind of meant to be self-contained uh, chapters that bleed into one another. Uh, and and that there really is just a lot of resentment in him, uh, uh, consciously or otherwise, about Donnie Darko being pulled from theaters, which is why he needed to bring in that, like, uh, the Republicans and Democrats are all uh, sh- shit poopy heads uh, and uh, and this, like, Patriot Act post 9-11 kind of narrative lumped onto um, 
Southland Tales, which is just really Donnie Darko exploded. Uh, uh, plus that, not saying that there isn't a 9-11 thing in Donnie Darko, which we spoke about very briefly uh, through text. Uh, but I think that much of the political stuff there is 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 present because of this kind of festering resentment at having his movie pulled because of it, right? And uh, I do but, I do think he has a deep seething hatred of conservatism in America. Period. I mean, I feel like he, there's the there's the very a, a very strong sense of the kind of a kind of angry liberal guy. Um, I, I also I I think he's I think he's like an angry lib centrist guy. Like I think he's really in in the center especially when um he's like a the the he's like a south park guy you know uh and that's the, that's at least the the sense that i got when i was watching southland tales um less so with donnie darko but you know the the neo-marxists are are just the republicans but they pretend they're to control opposition yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah controlled opposition but also just like you know they're it's not even yeah 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 yes yes um which I felt was both insightful and frustrating. I like, the, but that that's that's the way I felt about the entirety of Southland Tales. Is I was like, oh, that's really fun and interesting, and also, oh God, really? Are you? <laughs> I well, okay. I here's the thing. I've always said people try to say Donnie Darko doesn't make any sense, and actually, well, first of all, if you think Donnie Darko doesn't make any sense, you try to fucking watch Southland Tales, and all yeah, right. of a sudden, Donnie Darko will make a lies a much more coherent narrative than Southland Tales, but. I, it always kind of pissed me off when people try to say Donnie Darko doesn't make sense because it's kind of like when people would try to say Inception doesn't make sense. Inception is about dreams within dreams. It's actually not that crazy. It's pretty straightforward. Right. Um, and then Donnie Darko is a time loop. It's a yeah. fucking time loop. And then the other thing is that what I love about Donnie Darko is that it's just the perfect boy's fantasy. It's the perfect yeah. angsty boy fantasy where... Uh, you know, I get this one last month. I get trapped in a time loop, a schizophrenic time loop, and I get this one last month on Earth. And in my one last month, I meet the girl of my dreams. But in doing so, um, that's going to lead to her death. And so for the only way, the only way for me to get out of that is to um, uh, sacrifice myself. And right. then she gets to live. And then even though the phonies that I exposed, right, um, even though they they get to uh, they get away with it, basically, uh, it's okay because love is more important. Do they that's, fuck? Yes. In the movie? Yes. Oh, okay. Right, I just, right before, and then and then she. I literally just watched it, and I don't remember. They don't. I mean, it's. I guess they don't really show, but it's strongly implied that at the Halloween party that they um they make sweet love uh, at the well, it, 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 at the upstairs, and then they go off to the final part of the adventure. Good for um, them. Good for them. <laughs> good for them. <laughs> so at least in one timeline, he's not a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, see what I mean? It is the perfect angsty boys fantasy, right? Yeah. And, but here's the thing. If we get into the synchromistic stuff, um, the movie was filmed in the year 2000 while the contentious Bush v. Gore election was going on. Um, and then it comes out right before 9-11. Uh, and then it's pulled from theaters because the, the film has to do with a plane crash or a plane engine crash um, killing somebody. And that was just too... That was People were too sensitive, too raw. It's kind of funny to think about it today because I feel like a lot of people today would think we're so desensitized that that wouldn't even register. But back after 9-11, when there was some, a, a vibe that was very, very hard to describe to the younglings of today, um, that movie was too much. And so it's taken out of the theaters and it developed this cult following where if it already wasn't the perfect angsty boys uh, fantasy, the fact that it was pulled out of theaters because of 9-11 um, only added to its, its, um, 
it's cult, basically. It's it's uh, infamous reputation. So when it got a little release a year later, it was a big deal. I remember that. And I remember, you know, everybody wanted to rent it and everybody, all me and all my friends would talk about it all the time. I was like really into this movie. Um, and I don't know, maybe maybe I'm looking at it with rose-colored glasses, but rewatching it last night, I, I'm I'm still taken aback by how good of a movie it is and how they just wouldn't do this anymore. This story told by anyone else would be about the time traveler changing the timeline so that he saves the girl and lives. I mean, that's how that story would be told. They wouldn't, I feel like people wouldn't have the guts to make this weird, half-joking, half-serious, dark dramedy um, time travel movie. I don't know. It, it was such a, it's such a brilliant original movie. And there's like, it's probably the best teen movie ever, um, or at least very high up there. I, I can't really think of anything that's quite as good as Donnie Darko, at least in that genre. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's solid. And it, uh, I, I, I can't think of trying to make it again uh, today without having the awful sinking feeling that uh, the contemporary version of it is like stranger things. And I don't quite know why uh, it's, yeah. and I, 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 I think it's this recursive kind of thing where it's like, let's explain what it kind of feels like to be a kid by steeping you in uh, this kind of nostalgic vibe. And I, 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 I think the, the music has a lot to do with it. Uh, well, but for, that's well, something that that's uh, something that's also there's some real hauntology going on there too, because when this movie came out in 2000 and fucking one, it's already about eighties nostalgia because it takes place right. in 1988. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. It's, it's music from the eighties. Right. And, and, and that's, the, and then now stranger things fucking 20 years later, they're still doing the eighties nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then just the same, uh, very different types of the attempt to be both horrific and comical and sweet uh all at once and uh yeah no i i really do think that stranger things is the attempt to to catch this and and try to uh, make some kind of vague gesture towards some kind of abstract thought um uh which exists in donnie darko um you know in a way that's a, a little clumsy but it has to be clumsy right for the type of movie it is anyway uh but then in stranger things it's just like what if there was a world but it was upside down <laughs> <laughs> what if D was real oh man i i gotta say i know that this isn't about stranger things uh but uh i hate that that show's still going on it, I, i'm not even i'm not even gonna touch that <laughs> it makes me so angry <laughs> um anyway. but whatever anyway donnie darko it kind of it, it if, if we're putting our schizo glasses on it, it anticipates the return of the bush family to the white house right yeah um, it, it kind of has a weird 9-11 impending tragedy there's no way we can get out of it thing even though it comes it, it was in it came out before 9-11 had occurred and then if you want to get really weird there's this whole evil secret pedo plot Mm -hmm. um, Patrick Swayze's mm -hmm. character is that he's the he's the beloved motivational speaker who's trying to teach the kids how to get on the right path, and then Donnie exposes him uh, for being a um, as being a, a pedo. He's got a secret kiddie porn dungeon in his house. Um, there's a little there's a little bit of QAnon in there, um, and then the fact that you know you could argue that there's a direct line between 9/11 and MAGA. And, you know, the 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 conflict that 9-11 started in the United States um, would eventually kind of metastasize into the weird polarized America first versus universal liberals or whatever the fuck is going on today. Um, and that revolves around Donald Trump, Donnie, 
right? So it feel like, I don't know, watching Donnie Darko today, if you, from like a synchromistic perspective, it's like, yeah, we are trapped in the fucking plane crash time loop. And, and Don, Donnie comes back in, uh, in Southland Tales. Um, there's a, I mean, on top of just the, the way that uh, there's this bizarre time loopy stuff going on. And then there's literally a, uh, an airplane going through a time loop that exists only in the comic, I think, uh, mm. well, all that stuff. But then literally there's, um, uh, Justin Timberlake's character plays a kid named Donald or Don or Donnie or something like that in a movie. Uh, yes. in, so like, it's just constant looping of these two pieces of media together, um, which, you know, and the, the focus on the Donald is, uh, and then Southland Tales takes place during a presidential election. Uh, both right. movies start with a guy waking up outside and doesn't know how he got there. And it turns out that's because he's trapped in a time loop. Um, what else? Uh, they both wear their hoodie up. Both, both The Rock <laughs> and Donnie Darko walk around with their hoodie pulled up. And that's how they, you know that they're like in angst mode or whatever. They're both obsessed with just the the middest of possible literature. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we both got the one-eyed, the guy bleeding yeah, out of yeah. one eye at the end of both movies. We both got the, the dark churning clouds. One thing that I thought was probably the most prophetic and forward-thinking in Southland Tales is the idea that the U.S. military is forced to go green when we run out of oil. Right. Um, and so this kind of like uh, eco-nationalism, eco-imperialism or something. Um, I will say this, and this is part of, take to take it back to 9-11, uh, I remember being a SoCaler myself, I remember what SoCal felt like after 9-11. I remember um, this newspaper printed out color American flags. And I remember my, my town was kind of a ghost town in the days after 9-11. Nobody wanted to go out or do anything. And everybody, everybody had print, you know, pulled out that um, whatever mag, uh, newspaper it was because people were still reading newspapers. Uh, they pulled out that color American flag and put it in their car window or their business oh, window yeah. or their house window. So I remember walking through my ghost town, my post 9-11 ghost town, and but that that American flag was everywhere. And I guess maybe part of the reason why I love Southland Tales as much as I do or why I find it oddly therapeutic is that, okay, it is a completely incoherent story and arguably unwatchable film. But in terms of the feeling that it's able to grab, the the weird absurd kind of like um suv nationalism war on terror george bush consciousness reality tv like it it, it is a really good kaleidoscopic panorama of what that era felt like it, it yeah. it's like spiritually it's a spiritual encapsulation of 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 that time and well, yeah and 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 i think it's especially for old heads like us uh the there's there's something missing from our current experience of uh, time and politics and media, which which was very present uh, right after 9-11 and through till like, you know, around when uh, when when Obama became president and then things got weirder in a different way. Right. But the, the, the entirety of the Bush presidency, I can literally just call it that uh, the Bush presidency felt. Um, urgent and hopeless in a way that was surreal but kind of uh energizing in a weird way right where you just like you were you were so defeated by your by, by your fellow man and and everyone around you was a fucking idiot and the uh the, the president was the big dumb uh dumb guy uh but he wasn't orange uh, uh this time yada yada 
but but something about realizing that everyone was dumber than you uh, <laughs> and that the world was was headed into hell like felt purposeful or maybe this is what youth feels like but but then watching this film brings a lot of those feelings back where it's just like oh this is just the 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 ripple uh that then causes the the stone to drop into the water that we're we're, we're currently experiencing now right like right, that's maybe that's kind of the hardest part for me actually is that re-watching Southland Tales recently and then re-watching Donnie Darko last night I was getting nostalgic for my 2000s angst because now it right. seems very it seems like a much more simple and wholesome time yeah the 9-11 yeah. war on terror era <laughs> Patriot Act era that seems like a much more straightforward wholesome time than what we're living in now yeah um, it, in fact this this is this is a little embarrassing now maybe but uh, I remember um, uh, election night of 2016 mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the the thing that I ended up kind of telling myself uh, uh, as everything was going down was just well, you know, at least at least with uh, with Trump as president, uh, it'll feel uh, a lot more like the Bush years. You know, <laughs> it'll be like more straightforwardly stupid and we won't have a whole bunch of people being like, well, actually, the president really is on our side, but he can't really give us the type of health care that we need because of the fact that he's playing five dimensional chess. And I can't <laughs> believe how fucking naive that was. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I was, I was like a little kind of optimistic about it in a certain sense. Cause I'm just like, oh, we're back to the old stupid that made me feel like, like there was something to the world. <laughs> That's the thing. Well, you were saying that you, you, you were telling me, uh, that you felt like Southland tales. There's a little bit of idiocracy in Southland. Tales. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like l- literally the, the, the conceit of the film, which, uh, Again, exists in the comic, but but I I, I like how it's it's uh, <laughs> this is this is one of the things in the movie that works better because it doesn't it doesn't really make sense. Uh, is that the 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 script that uh, that our protagonists did and didn't write um, is telling a. Uh, the reality of the situation, which is that the world is slowing down and it's messing up everyone's brain chemistry. uh, And that's why the world is like this. And, and it makes, as soon as you learn that, which is way too late in the movie that like, this is actually happening though. You can kind of guess that that's what's occurring when he tells, when, when the rock tells us what the plot of the screenplay is maybe 30 minutes in, you can guess that it's the screenplay is talking about reality. Uh, but still probably too late <laughs> but it it makes total sense and it makes every line spoken by anyone in the movie hilarious because it's just like oh my god these people are just brain damaged like the, the it's 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 a world full of uh incompetent actors totally drenched in hyper competent technology uh, and and it's fucking wonderful in that, uh, and it's more it's a more real version of idiocracy in my mind um, because of that kind of subtlety to it, uh, and, and 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 just the idea that yeah, I mean, technology is not going to go anywhere. We're just going to get a little bit dumber, and that tiny little zero point zero 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 six is going to just that little drop in intelligence and capacity is going to make the world essentially unlivable. <laughs> yeah, you it's it's 
it's almost like actually slowing the planet down. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, but this is always what's so frustrating to me is that, you know, the comic has some basic competency in it where we know these characters' backstories. We're able to understand, you know, there's clearly some kind of like bigger love story between Krista now and Boxer Santeros or whatever, but the rocks yeah. split personalities. Um and there's a couple of scenes in the movie that that indicate that, you know, they have some larger love story, but we don't know what the fuck it is. So you can't feel anything. And then this is the thing. In Donnie Darko, it's a it's a nonlinear story. It's a form of magical realism. You've got lots of weird, wacky characters in the town, but you do have a central character, Donnie Darko, who you follow from start to finish and you get to know him and you you feel for him uh, to a certain extent. Whereas in Southland Tales, there's nothing to grab onto. Oh, zero. It's, it's, it's too many different characters and... I will say I do love the, the scene with Justin Timberlake because uh, where, where he's he's dancing. Well, I found out later he's supposed to be high on um, liquid karma. Yeah. Um, and he's dancing in what I find out later through the comics, an abandoned, uh, abandoned um, uh, fairgrounds or whatever. Uh, beach yeah, it's, it, was a, it was an arcade that got That's converted right. to a spot where all the military guys uh, who were uh, stationed in Santa Monica would uh, go drug and, and whore. Right. So very Oceanside. So, you know, yeah. it's just like <laughs> it's a little San Diego joke there. Um, but it again, it, it's, there's, it's so perfectly spiritually encapsulates all these things. If there had been any attempt to actually just combine all six chapters into one coherent story where you had a main character in Boxer Santeros, um, I think it could have been the best movie of the decade. I think it could have been the fucking Dr. Strangelove of the 2000s. Um, I, I think it really could have been a masterpiece. And Or or it could have just been Cloud Atlas. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I, I'm much more generous than that because the, the okay, Cloud Atlas. <laughs> Cloud Atlas, here's the thing. I'm not going to actually talk shit. I don't hate Cloud Atlas, but. You speak the truth, too. It's that. boring. It doesn't yeah. have it doesn't have any there's no like this movie obviously it wants to be a scathing critique of the era and it succeeds in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um th- there's a lot of stuff in it that's great you have this character who is both uh, like uh, Jenna Jameson meets Paris Hilton <laughs> um who who also kind of anticipates like e-girls and all this other stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's all these little nodal points that are fucking great in the movie. And I, I just I I still to this day how it ended up being actually made ends up being so incompetent. And then contrast that with Donnie Darko, where he clearly can tell this kind of story coherently. I just don't, I still don't understand it. I still don't get what, how he, how he got so discombobulated and how nobody stepped in the studio or nobody looked at this and said, well, no, the script just needs a hard rewrite. No, you're not allowed to tell part three, um, uh, four, five, and six. You're not allowed to tell parts four, five, and six um, before you tell parts one, two, and three. You got to combine these or you got to start with one, two, and three or whatever. Well, it's well, just, I just don't understand. How did he get well, away it's with because, it? It's because he's he's the he's the confusing time travel movie guy and everyone loved the fact that the movie was confusing and time traveling. So like, of course he can start with four, five, and six. Like it's, it's better this that is way. Where, this is where he should have. On paper. See, that? You know, George Lucas, if, if we're going by the George Lucas theory of Richard <laughs> Kelly, George Lucas was smart enough when he when he sat down to make Empire Strikes Back to get somebody else to help him. And also the whole point was, we're not going to blow it. We're, this this follow up movie that we're going to make is going to be as efficient as possible. 
Um, and I would still say of, of major films like Empire Strikes Back is still one of the most efficient movies ever made. Sure. Um, they really, they knew that they had lightning in a bottle with the first movie and uh, for the follow-up movie, this has got to be an absolute banger. Um, and they succeeded. And I, I just don't understand. I still just don't understand it. It freaks me out that you well, could get that so too big for your britches that you get you you adopt this too big to fail mentality um and no one is there to counterbalance you and then you just blow all of your clout and everything you worked for on this cinematic Hindenburg. well have have i i've i've told you my um uh, in fact I, I think i've said it on the podcast but my my uh my theory about trilogies uh and the the way that they always organically work them, uh, themselves out at least at least with movies um especially with like sci-fi where uh like alien and terminator are the perfect examples of this where mm -hmm. the the first movie is uh kind of tense uh and localized very few characters uh probably not a whole lot of locations so let's let's say that's donnie darko right it it it, it kind of makes the 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 basic claim uh it's it's kind of self-contained and it's done and it's almost always i mean as long as it's successful it, it's it has the opportunity to be a masterpiece right like done once that happens you have part two and part two is an escalation of the last so terminator 2 super actiony movie aliens super actiony the comic of uh of southland tales is what i'm counting as part two for this where then it's it's expanded there's action now instead of just being about like brooding 80s music and like sucking fucks uh and like being a fuck ass and making fun of like uh chinese girls accents just kidding that happens in the comic too um but um uh it's it, it's an intensification it becomes action it expands it gets way bigger uh, you now have multiple kind of uh multiple multiple timelines you have all sorts of crazy stuff going on but it's still like it still makes sense uh but then the problem is that it expands to the point that it really kind of can't anymore and then you get part three you get alien three you get terminator three you have southland tales the movie where now you've expanded as far as you can and you need to do you you need to make a choice uh to either draw it back into a uh, a smaller more kind of cohesive enclosed space or you continue it in this kind of larger expanded space but one thing needs to happen and always does where you have to make it navel gazy as fuck in order to like extract drama out of people and really make it into an intellectual endeavor because action and expansion uh and and returning to the original tension of the enclosed space uh will will necessarily fail without you adding some kind of intellectual or spiritual purpose to it that extends beyond the the original two which with kelly's movies expanding the intellectual and spiritual purpose of it making it metaphysical is just compounding it to such a degree that it becomes entirely incoherent, right? Like it just falls apart entirely. It becomes insane well, so, uh, because the plot entirely falls apart. So it's a three equals. All right. Well, this is an interesting way to think about it. I mean, so three equals have to cannibalize basically. Yeah. They have to, they have to sink in on themselves, start small, get big. There's no more big to go to. You got to go in, you got to eat yourself. Right. Uh, and, 
And we never got to see part two. So we had no way of contextualizing part three, uh, both in, in plot and in the kind of vibes and and, and the motion that's, that's supposed to make these things tolerable. And everyone fucking hates Terminator 3. And, and most people hate Alien 3, though I actually kind of like it. I mean... Uh, I hated I hated Terminator Three until I saw Terminator Salvation. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Terminator Three really wasn't so bad. Actually. What a I mean, what a movie that was. Um, well, just wait for Southland Tales Four uh, coming out to a theater near you. Uh, aren't they making a new Donnie Darko? Is that that, so I know that Richard Kelly has talked about trying to reboot Southland Tales and about making another Donnie what? Darko. Oh God, I didn't know about that reboot. So, but but the, the, the thing is, I don't. What I'm saying is. Richard Kelly, God bless his soul. I think that this this movie sank his career forever. And I, well, I would be surprised <laughs> if anyone would give him money. However, I would also say, in his defense, this would be great as a Netflix series. If you actually had somebody come in and take yeah. all six parts and expand that into an actual Netflix miniseries, and maybe you could actually get a, a, a fun celebrity cast to come back. The only thing is, uh, the war on terror stuff, I don't think it would... The Afghanistan war actually ended. That's how long ago... <laughs> <laughs> That's how long ago this movie was made, dude. We were Holy only shit. we weren't even in the first ten percent of the Afghanistan war when this movie was made, and now, now the Taliban won. So I don't. What are you going to make the fucking? I just feel like whatever Southland tells you tried to make today, it would be it would they'd have to put like mega they'd have to put all the contemporary stuff in it that I don't know if that would be fun. Yeah, stuff that you couldn't like usefully or entertainingly parody. Um, yeah. Yeah, the other thing is making fun of reality TV 20 years ago. Well, today you'd just be making fun of pretty much everybody on social media. We're all reality TV now. Right. All, right. all the thing, all the all the things that it kind of is critiquing and making fun of. Or even like the pop star, the porn star turned pop star. Like that's just every OnlyFans girl now. I mean, that's I mean, watching this movie now, it's this weird time capsule. Um, like so many things from that era. The stuff that was like being pioneered in media that seemed edgy and wild at the time now has been universalized. Even like Jackass. Everybody does prank videos now. Um, everybody does their little Tom Green shtick now. Right. Uh, you know, so there, I don't... I feel like... I, I'm honestly wondering because this movie did not end up getting a wide release. Um, it was a massive commercial failure. I believe he got a pretty big fucking budget for this movie and it didn't make back any of the money. Um, I'd be interested to see or hear like what Zoomers even think about this movie. It's already, it's difficult to understand on its own, but if you're a millennial and you lived during this time or you're coming up during this time, you have a bunch of like reference points, cultural reference points to make sense of it, um, including Donnie Darko. Uh, I'm wondering like a Zoomer watching this, it would be, I don't know, would, would they actually love it because they don't understand the jokes that it's making or would it just be torture for them? I'm not sure. Man, I yeah, I I do not know. Uh, <laughs> that's yeah, it's 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 impossible to say. Uh, which means we need to kidnap some Zoomers uh, and uh, feed them sci-fi. <laughs> I'm including drugs. I'm including a link to this movie as the first thing in the description of this Less. podcast because I yeah, know that most th- people have not seen this us. movie. So, and <laughs> I know I'll get I know I'll get some DMs about it. <laughs> did you um, did you see the movie The Box that he made? No, I've been meaning to, but I have not seen that movie. Uh, it's, it's not great. Um, it's... Okay, well, that's what they said about Southland Tales, and I love Southland Tales. <laughs> but well, well, here's the thing: it's it it's still uh, it's a movie that's confusing in a way that it does not need to be. Um, right. Well, so you know, like like he's wanting to do. 
but it's not a totally incomprehensible film. Um, like definitely easier to understand than than Donnie Darko or something like that. But the I don't I haven't seen it in many 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 years. I'll probably watch it tonight now. Uh, but uh, it it doesn't have time travel. It might have aliens. Uh, it's hard to say. Uh, but it's it's based on um, a, a book slash Twilight Zone episode uh, mm-hmm. that has essentially become a meme um, with which has lost its reference point. But just the idea that if you have a box and you press a button and you get uh, some extraordinary sum of money, but someone you will never meet will die, uh, would you do it? Oh, it's, like, a, it's one big trolley problem? Pretty much. Well, it's, right. it's like a trolley problem, but it's like, will no no one is on this track. Will you switch it over to one person, but you also get a million dollars? All right. Um, so it's the trolley problem and the Saturn cube. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, it's that, uh, and yet he still manages to make that kind of confusing. Um, and again, as someone that like agrees with you about Inception and then Danny Darko, it's like eh, it's not that confusing. Uh, but um, yeah, so it's 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 a weird one. So the you know they did give him another attempt, uh, and yeah, well, I think I'm gonna look up what the budget for the box was though. Yeah, it, 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 it certainly wasn't extraordinary, but I, I, it had someone pretty mainstream. And let's 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 look at box together. Right oh, dude, the box let's, came let's out in two thousand nine. Yeah, so very quickly after. All right, so he was still. All right, and the budget was thirty million. All right, and starring Cameron Diaz. All right, uh, so he was still he was still on the afterburner of Donnie Darko clout. Yeah, maybe may, maybe so, but I mean, like. With with how poorly um, uh, uh, Southland Tales did, you you might think that they that he'd have to go underground uh, pretty much immediately after that. Oh, um, so I, I didn't know that Southland Tales. The budget was only seventeen million. I'm actually shocked oh, by that. I thought it was significantly more. Yeah, yeah I would have thought it. Was, I was thinking something like fifty to hundred million, given the cast. But also, that's the other thing. These people weren't that big yet. I forget. The Rock, I think this is one of his first movies, if not his first movie. Oh. And then Justin Timberlake, I think, yeah, he was in NSYNC, but he's not. He was Yeah, he was only yet, like really. a singer at that point. Yeah. Like, like he, he, I'm sure he was viewed as kind of like a risky guy to put in a movie instead of like a cash grab. Um, but $17 million, uh, it makes back not even 400000 <laughs> right, Well, Well, hey, it made some back. Yeah. So or that or is... do you mean not in excess? No, 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 no. But, but it's, I'm just reading Ooh. Wikipedia. 17 million budget, oh. um, 374,000 return. All right. So well. that is that is a, a mega bomb. But then someone's like, okay, well, I'm going to give you $30 million. And then this movie only broke even. So, all right. I'm, I guess I guess I guess I got to watch the box. But I also made you, as part of your elaborate homework, I made you watch my all-time favorite YouTube video. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is did uh, does Back to the Future predict nine eleven? And you told me you 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 loved it. Oh yeah, it was my it was my favorite video I've I've ever seen. Actually, you told uh, me the opposite of that. You I said did. I was literally killing you. <laughs> well, to be fair, the, the the killing me portion of it did have more to do with the the girth of uh, of all the information I had to digest, followed by that beautiful frosting. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a wonderful mixed metaphor, wasn't it? Uh, but um, no, but uh, I, 
you and I have one significant difference, uh, I would say, uh, and it's the degree to which we enjoy uh, like conspiracy theory stuff. Um, and I, by all by all accounts, I should be someone that really loves conspiracy theory stuff. But I don't. I find it just kind of exhausting. And then occasionally something conspiratorial comes up uh, and I, I think it's really fascinating and it like sticks with me uh, and it's fun. Um, like that's that was what my experience of land was where I'm like, oh, I don't know about all this. And then like I, I had a good entryway into it uh, suddenly. Mm-hmm. So most of the time when I'm hearing or reading conspiracy theory stuff, I'm just kind of, you know, I feel almost defeated by its existence. <laughs> uh rather than intrigued so yeah i didn't it wasn't it wasn't fun for me after a certain point like the first the first so it's like a 12 minute video of which like two minutes are are closing credits uh but um the first like five minutes of it i did actually enjoy uh where it's just pointing out uh all these weird things that happen in uh back to the future uh that point towards 9-11 uh, but then he just gets too cute with it and really starts stretching it way further than he needs to. So it goes from being this kind of like interesting idea to just being like, okay, I can't convince myself of this anymore. Uh, and like all the parts that are genuine and that seemed intriguing uh, then evaporate for me, even though they shouldn't. Like I'm a man of of, of moods, I guess. I so I'm pretty sure that the guy who made that that it, it's meant to be satire. I don't think that he's serious. I really don't. And but I would also point out the guy who made the loose change 9/11 movies. Uh, I am, without getting into it too much, fairly certain that uh, he absolutely made those as satire, and then when they were taken seriously, decided to cash <laughs> in on them. Um, I mean, if we're viewing them as satire, then then yeah, I, I might have to rewatch it. <laughs> yeah, I, but, but my point is, with Richard Kelly, it's like, both Donnie Darko and Southland Tales are deeply satirical. They're yeah. dark satires, but they are deeply satirical. But this idea that just because it's satirical or just because you meant it as satirical that it can still be taken seriously or that you really might actually be tapped into some weird time loop continuum. You might be precogging stuff uh, accidentally. I don't know. I, I do really like that idea. I also, I would point out, it's like both in Donnie Darko, you know, he's a man who has to choose to accept his fate. Um, that might be the most interesting idea that it has, that his teacher tells him, well, if you can see where you are on the time loop, you would have a choice to change your... Um, course and he does and that's the end of the movie he changes he changes the the time loop so that he dies and saves his beloved um i a beautiful love story as far as i'm concerned i think that uh that's great with with southland tales it's much more incoherent but there's even that little part with at the end with with the rock and with krista now and she says you know this is the way it had to be and they both accepted death and they both accepted that this is indeed the way the world ends also i just want to say the tattoos on the rock in that movie in Southland Tales, the, the Star of David belly button tattoo, that's got to be the sluttiest thing I've ever seen on a man. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of wish the rock would have gotten it for real. It's kind of, it's, it's impressive actually. <laughs> Dude, if, if the rock with his like, that that's that's the other interesting thing is is how his politics have have rounded out versus the movie like i feel like maybe he is boxer santeros uh but but the rock with his like weird uh kind of soft gop leanings uh, yes 
him him with a um, a Star of David tattoo on his belly button would be the most <laughs> incredible thing in the world for so many different reasons. For so for so many reasons, but um, I guess whatever. I guess what I'm getting at is that for me, I'm I'm positive now that I've grown up a little bit, and I myself am definitely starting to get sick of conspiracy theories because it has finally dawned on me that conspiracy theories really are just a form of pornography. Um, sure, yeah. it, 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 the conspiracy theory says I can show you something obscene that you're not allowed to look at. I'm going to, you know, it appeals to your voyeurism. So I'm going to show you something. You're going to get to be the fly on the wall for something obscene that you're not supposed to see. Um, look, look, you get the, you get a peek behind the curtain and I'm going to show you how the sausage really gets made. Um, it's very, very similar to pornography and the way that people get off on conspiracy theories, it's, it's almost like a form of hyper pornography. So all of this paranoiac stuff. And I mean, it even gets to the whole essence of brain origami where it's like, it's all, there's a certain beauty in the ability to, uh, Bend thoughts and ideas away. There's a certain aesthetic beauty in in advanced mental gymnastics, and with a lot of conspiracy theories and synchromistic stuff, you know, the ability to put this stuff together, the amount of media you need to consume, and the in a way that it's I'm getting I'm getting a little I'm getting more incoherent than Southland tells uh, right mm-hmm. now. Um, I guess what I'm getting at is that the ability to take all of this media and kind of destroy it by turning it into some kind of paranoiac fantasy is cathartic and part of a big part of the appeal of conspiracy theories is a sense of determinism is feeling that there's no other way things could have gone the 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 archons the powers that be they were never going to uh let things be any other way so something kind of syphilitic about it you you know you you just have to accept the fact that um things are out of your control and i think that's one of the biggest appeal of conspiracy theories is that you're you're liberated from having to worry about this world because if if it's all run by demons and you're not a demon, you can take solace in being an angel and you don't have to worry about what the demons are going to do. Um, right. The only problem with conspiracy theorists is that they can never fully commit to that. They they have to go around being upset and talking about the conspiracy all the time, um, which I guess maybe that's the problem. I guess I, that, I guess I guess that's why people get sick of them. Podcast over. Shut <laughs> shut down Schizotopia forever. Um, but yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I'm not. I'm not sure why this just randomly occurred to me. But I, uh, I do want to share with you um, the 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 theory I had about Southland Tales. My conspiracy theory uh, about it before I read the comic. Which again, I will say that the comic is more competently put together but still kind of ruined the movie for me, despite making it make more sense. Um, and, and and keeping in mind that the first uh, a, attempt to rewatch this movie since it came out uh, was done on mushrooms, so uh, and I couldn't get through it all the way. So uh, keeping in mind that that's, that's part of my thinking here, probably. But I uh, I thought... And still, kind of do think that the movie, outside of all of its, uh, you know, political and, and social uh, kind of commentary and the idiocracy uh, and 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 all the the time travel stuff, is fundamentally just a movie that's that's talking about uh, consciousness, right? And it's it's talking about what it's like to live in a world that 
bombards you to the point where you lose your ipsaity, your, your, your fundamental experience of self. And the only thing, and which, which kind of barely exists uh, to begin with. Right. Um, and, and all you have is this little bit of you that exists in the past and this little bit of you that exists in the future. Uh, and you are tormented by that experience of having this fragmented self that can never come into contact with itself or know itself. And you constantly venture into the world in this discombobulated and confused way. And that the best way to find peace in that is to realize that this past and future self uh, is is doesn't need to be linked by any kind of ipsaity, any kind of fundamental form of self. And the fact that they are, in fact, always in contact with another. And once you kind of, uh, as as happens in the movie, uh, uh, forgive or or come to an understanding that the past and future version of yourself are, in fact, all part of one uh, self that you experience, then you can fundamentally stop existing in a kind of Buddhistic sense uh, and uh, move on with your life uh, or just to die. Uh, and and that was that was what I thought kind of the point of the movie was. And I think that that's still kind of there, but now that it's been made to make more sense, the Ipsaity theory is too, it's too overcomplicated by actual plot. <laughs> okay, so you've explained Southland Tales and Deleuze in one stroke. <laughs> I tip my fedora to you, Brain Origami Master. Bless you, bless you. All right, is there anything, is there anything we missed? Oh God! We we, uh, we just made our way through a lot of media, and not only do we make our way through a lot of media, but it's a lot of media that nobody ever consumed. Yeah, just zero. Uh, I'm nobody, sure very something. few people ever read those comics. Very few people ever read those no, comics. I know because they're very hard to get your hands on, and even the fucking bootleg I got couldn't be opened up with my bootleg comic book reader. Um, so I had to put it in a Google Doc. <laughs> I can't be able to finally fucking read the Southland Tales comic, thinking that I was going to get some answers after all these years of watching this fucking movie. It does um, make it make more sense. It it does okay, but it 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 gives you it just makes you mad because it gives you. There's most of the first three chapters are just stuff that could have easily been in the movie. It's a fucking three hour movie. You could have easily okay. Even the scenes where it's like you have an amnesiac, Boxer Santeros, and then he has, you get exposition because you have to explain what's going on to this amnesiac. Okay, you could have easily put that in the movie. You know what I mean? It's like the actual movie tries to be as um, incoherent and unreadable as possible. Because you, you, there's just scenes where it's like Boxer Santeros gets the, the the lore explained to him because he's an amnesiac, right? He gets the uh, the nuclear bombs going off explained to him. He gets U.S. Iden explained to him. We get an explanation of you know why he's working on this weird mysterious script and where it came from. You know, it's like all of that would make does make the movie make more sense, but it also makes the movie more frustrating because it's like why didn't you just put that in the fucking movie? How hard? Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to I don't want a galaxy brain. Uh, Richard Kelly at this point, because I, I, I do think that a lot of this stuff is uh, just oh, genuinely out of incompetence. Well, but but, <laughs> but but I, I think that a lot of the failures of the film, uh, like what you're talking about, like the, the lack of exposition that's that's kind of deeply needed, uh, the fact that uh, you could do a little bit more to clarify Ronald and Roland's like connection uh, to one another and which character you're seeing when. Um, just having like the world serpent thing 
exist in the movie to explain why fluid karma and fluid karma are both fluid karma, like little things like that um, would would make huge changes. But I but I, but I think uh, purposefully or otherwise, the the kind of funniest flourish uh, in this whole sequence is that it's it's just this super meta narrative where you tell the same story over and over and over again and it gets dumber every time uh where like like the the, the comic again not not amazing but like pretty pretty cool and things more or less make sense and then there's the script that you actually get to read big chunks of in the comic. <laughs> there's whole chunks of script in the comic book oh, which God. is also pretty funny yeah like 15 pages at a time <laughs> uh like it, sometimes longer of unedited movie script in yeah. the fucking comic book and and that on its own is just insane uh and and like weirder than the comic uh and honestly i think would have made a funnier like there they should have acted out those scenes in the movie yes like there should have been a movie inside of a movie inside of a movie it would have been hilarious um it's like baby farts that cause earthquakes and like the baby farts a, a, a snake's head into exploding and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but um, and like there's there's a bunch of McDonald's and like Budweiser ads, which they did the Bud the Bud Light stuff in the which movie. Taking on a, a whole bit. new meaning today. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so so they have the script and the script is more unhinged and discombobulated than the comic is, and then the movie that is based on both of them which is actually an experience of the reality of what's occurring in the script um is even more discombobulated like it's like it's like every time that you enter into this inception dream you know loop it gets more insane uh and nonsensical and and i actually like that a lot um i just wish that it was uh, done in such a way that it was um it felt more intentional or it felt um uh like you were supposed to even be able to guess that that's what's happening Look, I mean, <laughs> you, that, but the thing is is that the 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 comic book at least lets you get close enough to these characters that you can feel something for them and you can actually understand yeah. their emotions and motivations a little bit. That's the yeah. thing that's just totally absent from the movie is you don't, you don't know what, what actually what boxer Santeros and uh, Kristen Al's relationship is. You get a sense of it, but um, you know, there's a scene in the movie where they're kind of having their little confrontation at the Republicans mansion uh, with Mandy Moore. I don't even think we mentioned that Mandy Moore is also in this movie. Oh yeah. Um, you know what I mean? There's what, crazy cast, but anyway, there's a scene where box Santeros is saying goodbye to Krista now. And it feels almost like a noir movie, you know, uh, kind of romantic heartbreaking goodbye, or it's supposed to be. And, but in the context of the movie, you can't really feel anything because there's just nothing there. Whereas yeah. when you read the comic, you go, oh, there is this weird double gaslighting relationship that's going on between the two of them that's actually kind of trippy and darkly romantic. Um, again, if any of that stuff had been included in the movie, it, maybe it could have worked. Because it's. I, I think you can get away with a crazy, incoherent um, time travel movie. Um, I think yeah, I go, love Primer. Yeah, you, but you got to have the human element. It's actually, once again, very much like George Lucas, where it, the problem with the Star Wars prequels isn't that they're like silly, ridiculous plots. They're all silly, ridiculous plots. The problem is, is that there's no human beings in them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of my last my last question with this, which does have to do with how we're supposed to feel about human beings. 
What's with Richard Kelly and uh, and Chinese women's accents? What's the deal there? I feel like, once again, <laughs> very Gen X. Very <laughs> Gen X, okay? It's the kind of shit that they thought was really funny and edgy. Um, yeah. Do you remember, well, what was her fucking name? Mrs. Swan, Mad TV? Because we got a Mad TV oh, star yeah. in Southland yeah. Tales. Um, right. I forget his name. He's Fortunio in the... I don't even yeah. know if we hear his name in the movie, but he's, he's Fortunio. Um, and he's like a, a gambling addict guy. And that's, see, that's a whole nother sub. <laughs> We're not going to get into it. There's a whole nother <laughs> subplot. Uh, it, that character in the movie, Fortunio, the guy from the Mad TV, um, he's like, he has a whole interesting subplot in the in the comic book, which once again, you you would never know by watching the movie. Yeah, he's like one of the protagonists. He's one of the like main he's actually, characters. It's actually pretty fucking interesting when you yeah. when you read the comic book. And once again, you see a bunch of unused ideas that would have been could have been really good in the movie. But whatever. What was I saying? Oh yeah, Mrs. Swan, Mad TV. That was huge. And that that Mrs. Swan's whole joke was like the, I'm doing the funny Chinese lady accent. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 just it's weird how how preoccupied he is with just that one type of like racist humor because uh, he doesn't do a whole lot of other stuff. He's like, and 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 the Rock is supposed to be black in in this, so like he's cool with having a a Samoan black uh, uh, protagonist and stuff. He just really likes specifically women, Chinese women's accents. It's very uh, it's very South. Yeah, that is very South Park. You're right. Yeah, it's very funny. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I I also just wanted to to point out, and this is kind of to a previous point, the the fact that so much of what happens in the comics is uh, just a straight up uh, repetition of uh, what happens in the in the film, despite being a, a prequel. Oh and, yeah, yeah, and I get that that's part of the whole idea of the movie is that everything's doubled, you know, kind of thing and in time travel and loops and stuff. But if, if you wanted to take all of the stuff that's in the comics, that's not present in the movie um, and add it in, uh, you would probably only add like 45 minutes to the film. And you could also edit things out. And I also think if you're exactly. going to, if you're going to edit the script this way, you know, basically make make Southland Tales two short movies and edit them together. And exactly. just have, you know, you could have the rock start talking to himself through the mirror, um, you know, at different points on his, his fluid karma trip. And you could just switch between the two timelines and have, you know, have them have the two timelines converge on the um, the uh, Zeppelin. Yeah. You know, so Richard Kelly, call me, dude. I got a lot of ideas for the reboot. All right. Just fucking call. I think that's the other like real uh, significant failure of of the film uh, that that could have been easily remedied, but but I I, I can see why it, it happened now, where um, you're missing things that would that would be clarifying and interesting, like the uh, uh, I mean the roller coaster is mentioned, but not to any it they don't expand on it, uh, which which leads to a break in like the 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 fabric of space time and it leads to to uh, the rock and an indian chief like meeting one another in the past very briefly just like waving to one another uh and then there's a scene where he ends up um as like having a brief conversation with someone uh in the past through a mirror and and it's also just, from donnie darko but... right uh but if you just had both of those uh very brief instances in the movie 
it would have made it significantly more interesting and make it make more sense. But the, I, I'm, I'm convinced that the reason that both of them are missing is that the there's the confused intention of people probably not reading the comic first, uh, though he could always fall back on like, well, you should have read the comic if it's confusing. Uh, but but the the knowledge and intention that people not not uh, read the comic first and then they experience the cool twist at the end where, wow, it's actually about time travel, even though you would have known that the whole fucking time anyway, if you, you know, had half of uh, half a brain and like any knowledge. Yeah, of, of this I, guy. Just, but the other thing is, is that what I what I heard was that he, he was handing out the comic book at the movie premiere. You know what I mean? So people right. who were like. In other words, oh, you watched my movie, now you have to read my comic, which, come on, you're just not allowed to do that. Right. <laughs> it's, just yeah. not, it's just so not allowed. I mean, can you fucking imagine if they made Terminator 2 first, and then Terminator 1 was a comic book that James Cameron was <laughs> handing out to people? This is what I'm saying. I don't understand how he ever got away with that. I don't understand how whoever was giving him $17 million didn't put their foot down and say, you can't, you, you cannot do this. Well, it's, yeah, it's it's like it's like handing someone a uh, a chapbook of your poetry on the first day and being like, if you want this to continue on, you have to read this. Like, and yet, it's... I, I kind of love that this man. This is two <laughs> years before the MCU even came out, and uh, this man is trying to make his own personal MCU. With he his really own is. Lore. Maybe he was the original. He was the original meme admin. You can't read my memes unless you know my lore. <laughs> Uh yeah. Well, it was it was a good prequel to the the Thanos saga, I think. <laughs> That's the other thing. I wonder if people watching it now would kind of be like, "This is like a really bad Marvel movie." Um, Honestly, yeah, I feel like uh, I, I feel like there there's something to well, not something to that thought, but something to that the thought of that thought if that makes any sense. Because Marvel kind of did a good job of being like, we're going to talk about time travel and conspiracies and aliens and all this other shit, but we're going to make it family friendly. Uh, it's not going to be it's not going to be an edgy political statement. It's going to be a um, multi billion dollar CG cartoon industry. Oh, hey, spe- speaking of, of of memes and family friendliness and in this movie and the culture industry and and all that, um, what do you ascribe uh, the <sighs> The recurrence of this audio clip from the movie in memes recently. It's the, uh, um, if you don't let me suck your dick, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> well, I think that that... I remember it's just funny that, as fuck. Like, it's just an amazing line. But It's one of the only things that, like, people remember from that movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because it's so outrageous. It's so outrageous. And then on its own, it's so WTF that right. it, 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 it was perfect meme fodder, right? Because so much of the rest of that movie is so in context and so weird and so unusable otherwise that it, it, you, you couldn't turn it into memes. But that one line, definitely. There was there was one other line in the movie that made me laugh out loud. And I, um, I can't remember what it was now, but it was on the Zeppelin. And it's something that The Rock says to someone Early on in in in, in oh, those, uh, 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 pimps don't commit suicide. No, no, um, pimps don't commit suicide. That that's that's another one of the things from the movie that just like gets um, gets kind of referenced. Uh, yeah, I'm a pimp, and pimps don't commit suicide. Um, and 
And I really expected to see that in the comics somewhere, but I don't think it is anywhere, even though it has a lot of the repeated lines. Like it's no the one last line in the movie. Right, yeah. It's the last <laughs> line in the movie, like... and it happens like a few times uh, yeah. before that. But like no one rocks the cock like Krista now. Like like <laughs> that, that comes up multiple times in both pieces of media. And there's a couple other lines uh, on top of the poetry and stuff that get repeated in both. But the pimps don't commit suicide thing doesn't come up in the comics, which is was bizarre mm-hmm. to me, frankly. I know, right? Especially since that again ends up being the the conclusion to this entire movie. <laughs> Just that pimps don't commit suicide. Um, all right, man. Well, first of all, thank you for being such a good sport. Oh, th- thank you for <laughs> for doming me so hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. Um. All right, Dorian. Where can people find you? Is there anyone you want to give a shout out to, including Richard Kelly? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Hey, shout out Richard. If you want me to help you write about time, good. Uh, hit me up. Uh, sorry about the things I said about your movie being worse because everything we said was in love, Richard. Everything uh, that you, everything we said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch the box tonight, uh, and uh, I'll I'll send you a DM, Richard. I'll let you know what I thought of it. <laughs> Cares a lot. Um, anyway, um, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, check out my writing workshop uh, so we can talk more about broken pieces of media. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's mm-hmm. at uh, Patreon.com/truncata. T-R-U-N-C-A-T-A. We talk about philosophy and literature there. Uh, every Saturday and uh, there's a lot of reading material lectures that I've recorded things like that that are up on there uh, it's also going to be a place where you can find my uh, cooking videos in the future because I'm a schizophrenic and can't stick to one thing um, otherwise uh, you know where to find me on the Instagram that's uh, at Dank Deleuze uh, and uh, no one cares about uh, Twitter because I don't use it really kind of a part to uh, post on my Instagram because that's what Instagram's for. It's for images of Twitter quotes. So why go to Twitter when I'll, I'll give them to you, but also have pretty pictures on Instagram. All right. This that's is the, the worst way... pitch I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyone who actually got to the end of this episode, um, kudos to you because I feel like this one's going to be a little difficult because if you weren't, if you haven't been initiated into Southland Tales, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Well, the, the first half hour is me initiating them, so yeah, All right. they'll be fine if they get yeah. through that. All right. This, this is the way the podcast ends. Not with a whimper, but with a bang. Thank you, Max. Thank you.